Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. All right, we now have part two of our interview with Senator Ted Cruz. We aired part one Friday, where the senator talked about President Trump and his COVID diagnosis. Today, he lowers the boom on Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts, saying that Roberts despises, that's his word, despises Donald Trump and has put on a uniform for the left. It's part of our discussion about his new book. It's called One Vote Away, How a Single Supreme Court Seat Can Change History. That's where we begin. I think this issue may well be the single most important issue facing the country in this election. Obviously, when I wrote the book, I didn't know that we would have a Supreme Court vacancy in October. Uh, but I knew we had an election in November. And, and the choice for a great many Americans, myself included, the choice of who the judges will be, and in particular, who the Supreme Court justices will be, is the most compelling issue in the election. Um, the way the book is structured, each chapter focuses on a different constitutional right. So we've got a chapter on free speech. We've got a chapter on religious liberty. Mm -hmm. There's a chapter on the Second Amendment. There's a chapter on U.S. sovereignty. There's a chapter on democracy and elections and Bush versus Gore. And that obviously could prove incredibly relevant if this election in 2020 ends up being a contested election. And, and with yeah. each of the chapters, David, what I do, as you know, before I was in the Senate, I was a Supreme Court litigator. Right. That's what I did for a living was argue cases in front of the Supreme Court. And so I tell war stories in the book, the inside story of big landmark cases. What I try to do is take the reader behind the curtain, inside the court. You know, for a lot of people, the court, it's important, but they don't necessarily understand how it works. It can be a little bit confusing. This book is, is designed to try to help get through all of that. And I thought what was interesting in the book, you really kind of drilled down on why Republicans or Republican presidents at least blow it or have blown it yep. in the past when it comes to Supreme Court nominees. Kind of lay out the philosophy as to what in the world happens. How do we get David Souters and, the, and, and Democrats never get a David Souter? I, you know, David, it, it's a great question. The, the, the entire last chapter of the book is Supreme Court nominations and, and how to get it right going forward. And, and so I, I, I review the history of Supreme Court nominations, starting with Dwight D. Eisenhower. Mm. And Democrats get it right almost 100% of the time. Just about every single Democratic nominee votes exactly the way Democrats want in virtually every case. Right. Repub Republicans are terrible at this. <laughs> we bat worse than 500. Um, Many of the worst judicial activists in history mm -hmm. were Republican nominees. Earl Warren, Bill Brennan, John Paul Stevens, David Souter, who you mentioned, Harry Blackman, the author of Roe versus Wade, right. all of those were Republican nominees. And what I explain in the book is it's not just random, it's not just a flip of the coin and we keep getting unlucky. There is a clear discernible pattern between the justices who honor their oaths, who stay faithful to the Constitution, and those who don't. If you look at some of the lions of the court, people like Antonin Scalia, Clarence Thomas, Sam Alito, my former boss, Chief Justice William Rehnquist, every one of them had served in the executive branch. They had been outspoken conservatives. They had defended constitutional principles. And here's the critical piece they had suffered withering criticism from the press. They'd been pounded That's right. and they hadn't wavered. That's actually the most important characteristic 
I'm looking for in a Supreme Court justice is, have you been in the cauldron? Have you faced the heat and, 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 and held steady and faithful? On the other hand, when Republican presidents nominate a stealth nominee with little to no proven record, but someone says, trust me, trust me, they'll be great, mm -hmm. virtually without exception, it turns into a disaster. And let me ask you about Amy Coney Barrett uh, with that in mind, because you talk about making sure these uh, justices that are nominated are in that Scalia Thomas uh, mold. Uh, do you see her that way? Because, and I want you to talk about her and I don't, I know you're friends with Brett Kavanaugh and of course Neil Gorsuch, but uh, there's been some disappointment there, uh, yeah. at least to begin with. I mean, it feels like the jury's still out. You, you go there, Senator, and uh, I thought that was pretty bold of you. Yeah, in, in the book, I, I lay out some, some significant criticisms of both Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch. And uh, um, I think it is too early to tell with those two nominations. Typically, a Supreme Court nomination is measured in, in decades and not just a couple of years. Right. Uh, David Souter, for example, first couple of years, Souter was actually quite conservative. And, and, and then he began galloping to the left, and he ended up the leader of the left on the Supreme Court. Um, but, but with both Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, uh, I urge the president not to nominate them. And I urge the president instead to nominate Senator Mike Lee. I was going to ask you about Amy Coney Barrett, uh, following up on her. Do you think she will be confirmed before Election Day? I, I, I do. I, I think the Senate, we're going to take up the confirmation hearing the week of October 12th. Uh, and and I believe we have the votes. I think the votes are solid, and, and, and I think she will be confirmed by the end of the month before Election Day. You know, you mentioned in your book, well, you talk about one vote away, and everybody talks about, well, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, that'll, that'll be a solid 6-3 uh, conservative block. I don't know about that, and I think you would be the first to say, I don't know about a 6-3. I mean, John Roberts has been off the reservation. A month and a half ago, I talked to Vice President Pence, and he said that, John Roberts was a, quote, disappointment. That from the vice president. I'm curious to get your take on John Roberts. Yeah, I, I very much agree. I, I think John Roberts has become the new Sandra Day O'Connor. And, and it, it is an unfortunate thing. Um, I, I, I talk about John Roberts at, at considerable length in the book. Right. Um, I've known John 25 years. Um, he was a law clerk to Chief Justice Rehnquist, as was I. Uh, he was... When he was a practicing lawyer, he was widely considered the finest Supreme Court advocate in the country. Um, but John, I, I actually think much of what is driving it is I think John despises Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it's personal. Uh, I, I think it is difficult to come up with two human beings more antithetical than John Roberts and Donald Trump in every respect about everything about their person. <laughs> right. I, I, I think Roberts... You know, Roberts at his confirmation hearing, he famously gave the example. He said a judge should be like an umpire, simply calling balls and strikes. And unfortunately, what Roberts has done in the last couple of years is, is set aside his role as an umpire, and he stood up and put on a team's uniform, and he's grabbed a bat, and he is swinging away. You know, that's a big deal. Uh, obviously, Ted Cruz saying that about, first of all, a longtime friend, John Roberts. In addition to that, I mean, look, he's a U.S. senator and he's not a pundit. 
So anytime Ted Cruz saying those words, it's going to be a big deal, and indeed it is on justthenews.com. That story is trending. Check it out there. Coming up, the media, President Trump and COVID. How sick or healthy has the convergence been? Back in a moment. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, it is Monday, November 9th, and according to the media, at least, uh, it's going to be Joe Biden, who is the president-elect, but everybody in MAGA land is like, wait a minute, hold on for a second. Uh, the Supreme Court and a few other folks might have something to say about it. Uh, let's bring in a, a good friend. I haven't seen him in a while. Brings me back to my Capitol Hill days, uh, former U.S. Senator Jim DeMint from South Carolina. Uh, Senator DeMint, great to see you again. David, it's good to meet you at the water cooler, and we've got a lot of interesting things to talk about. We sure do. And I want to get to, listen, I don't want to bury the lead, which is, of course, your book, but don't worry, I'll come back to it. Uh, okay. But I, I do want to ask first, obviously, about the presidential election and kind of your overall view as to what we saw transpire here in the last few days. Well, David, there's no question in my mind that uh, a lot of states didn't follow their own election laws, a lot of verifiable um, uh, irregularities in, in what was done. There's certainly enough evidence out there to pursue this a little further. And everyone needs to remember that the media cannot decide an election. That has to be done by the Electoral College. That won't be done until they meet. It, it won't be right away and until late uh, states certify the election. But I suspect in the meantime, there's uh, enough evidence for there to be legal contest. And, and I'm interested in this, David, not just because I'm biased politically, we need to resolve in our country uh, whether our elections are fair or not. And if we ignore this evidence and just push it under the rug and go to the next election, I think more and more Americans are going to lose confidence in, in our whole system of government. Uh, and, and that's pretty much where I am right now, because uh, I, I, I believe with all my heart that President Trump won the in-person voting on Election Day. And all the other things, the mail-in ballots, um, the absentee ballots, uh, some of it obviously was legitimate, but I know a number of people who were mailed several copies of, uh, uh, without requesting them, ballots in the mail. Uh, there's a lot we need to deal with here, and I just encourage Americans right now to just pray for our country, pray that every legitimate vote is counted honestly. Uh, we don't have to pray about who's going to win, but that every legitimate vote is counted honestly. Yeah, I do want to ask you a little bit about, you mentioned the election system and, and people have confidence in our election system. What can be done? I mean, it seems like some serious changes obviously need to take place. I mean, this just can't continue like what we saw. No, David, for years we've kind of laughed at the idea of uh, dead people in Chicago voting, but it's become much better organized and much better uh, planned than, than it's ever been. And so we have to have confidence in our elections. Otherwise, we're not going to have any respect for our government officials. And, and as the leading free country in the world, it is unacceptable that we cannot have elections without serious questions of, of voter fraud. 
It, it, again, it's been going on for years. There's some people in jail for uh, voter fraud. But, David, what disturbs me the, the most is we cannot pursue this in a bipartisan way because the Democrats do not want election integrity, at least as we would define it. Uh, they oppose a verifiable identification. They oppose in-person in voting. Uh, they want non-citizens and illegals to vote. They want convicted felons to vote from prison. They want 16-year-olds to vote. Mm -hmm. And they don't want anybody watching the counting in, in these areas that they, and particularly the swing states. So it's not like we can find bipartisan uh, partners here to work together to fix the election system, because yeah. I'm convinced the left knows they cannot win elections anymore with their crazy ideas unless they cheat. Senator, what is your advice to some Trump supporters out there that might feel despondent, like a list, an action item list? What can they do? What are some things that, that, that they might feel frustrated that they're, they're seeing uh, an election that they believe will, has been stolen from them? What, what, what can they do right now? Well, we, we need to be civil. We don't need to become like the left. But what we do need to do is call our congressmen, our Republican congressmen, our Republican senators, and encourage them to stay strong. What we're starting to see here is the, the, the kind of weak need Republicans starting to say, let's just go on past this. Uh, let's uh, accept defeat, not be sore losers. This is not about being sore losers. This is about looking at a system that's not working. So what we need to do more than anything else is encourage our Republican representatives to stand strong through this legal process, regardless of how it comes out. It is very legitimate for Trump and his team uh, to look into these irregularities and see if they can get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Let me ask you about your book, uh, which kind of plays into a lot of this. But you have a book, obviously, it's called They're Lying to You, 10 Lies That Shape Your Truth. Tell me a little bit about it, maybe how it relates to some of what we're discussing here today. Well, we're dealing with something, uh, David, today that's very different than when I first came to Congress 20 years ago. There were a number of Democrats at the time you could work with uh, on things because we agreed generally on the facts. I mean, our realities were the same world. We, we might disagree on the role of government, but now it's different. It, it's really stunning that the left has created a whole false reality, a whole different worldview based on lies. And these lies like uh, religion is hate, America is racist, climate change is, is our biggest threat, the Constitution is unnecessary and outdated. A lot of these lies, are, I mean, all of them pretty much are being taught in our public schools and universities, they're accepted by our media, but we, we can't have a free country based on lies. As we know from a, a, a biblical perspective, it's the truth that sets people free. And on the other side of that, it's, it's lies when you accept them that enslave you. And, and so we have started accepting these absurdities. For instance, like, I mean, we've heard a lot of it with the coronavirus, David. Certainly it's a, it's a health uh, concern. But to shut down our country for something that primarily affects uh, older people with serious conditions uh, did not make any sense at all. And a lot of the statistics we've gotten about it have not been correct. So this book is, we're giving it away free. You can find it on, um, if you just Google uh, lying to you, it'll come up. Uh, Amazon selling the paperback for six or $7. Uh, the Kindle is like 99 cents. So we're, we're not trying to make any money. We're giving away as many as yeah. we can. Americans need to know the truth. And particularly Christians and conservatives 
need to know how to defend the truth and oppose these absurd lies that they're asking us to accept today. Senator DeMitt, always great to see you. I want to have you come back on and we'll talk more about prayer and God and all of this because I know obviously you're a praying man, a faithful man, and I'm sure a lot of people are wondering about God in the midst of all of this election chaos. So I'd love to have you back. Thank you. And God's in control. We just need, need to pray and be faithful. Uh, this country has been given to us. We're stewards. Yep. Prayer is our best weapon right now. Amen. Senator DeMint, thanks again. Appreciate it. All right. When we come back, uh, ABC News political director Rick Klein. We've got a few questions for folks in the media. Back in a moment with our friend Rick. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, while Trump and MAGA Nation continue to insist there will be uh, that he will, he will remain president, uh, I know it's, it's, it's one universe, and then there's the other universe that we continue to cover, which is this universe where there are many others saying, hello, it's President-elect Biden, did you not get the memo? And uh, one of those folks is Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, uh, the former mayor of Baltimore, and a uh, big fan of Joe Biden and, uh, and all of what's gonna, about to happen. Uh, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, always great to see you, and thanks for coming back on the show. It's my pleasure, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of democracy and our Constitution as well. All right. Well, you know, well, that's interesting. So let's talk about that because Rudy Giuliani and some of these Trump lawyers also are, they say, big fans of democracy. Uh, and they want the, the system to play out, make sure that every, they say, legal vote is counted. What do you make of what's going on here? Because this continues to go on and it's not going to end anytime soon, Stephanie. I think it is um, borderline disgraceful uh, for, number one, an attorney uh, to, um, to give really false information. So he's saying one thing in front of the cameras and then they, when they go into court, they're saying they're not alleging that there's a widespread fraud. So we have to think about this. This is not just about uh, someone's bruised, fragile ego. This is about our democracy, our country that is not an island. We exist in the world, a world where we are supposed to be the standard bearers for free and fair elections, a standard bearers for democracy. Yet we are not, we are allowing the Republicans not to call the election based on nothing but speculation. How do you think this looks in the eyes of the world? How, what credibility do we have as a democracy when we allow this to happen? Stephanie, you call it speculation. The Trump campaign will say, but we have evidence of fraud. We have signed affidavits. We have many of them are public of, of people saying, for example, in Wayne County, Detroit, and I go on. So, so clearly there's fraud that took place. The question now becomes how widespread is it and do they have the votes to overturn, right? So an affidavit is not a fact of fraud. Um, and, and let's just think about this as well. Republicans and Democrats in this country care about free and fair elections and care about fraud. And in those places where you're talking about, Republican elected officials themselves are saying that there was no fraud. There was no 
uh, widespread fraud. There was no uh, fraud that would overturn uh, the election. So to say that a stack of affidavits is the equivalent of a widespread fraud that should upend our uh, voting process is ludicrous. And moreover, if there was evidence, if there was proof, it would be out in the open and all of us would see it because it's just that serious. The fact that the only people that are uh, claiming that these affidavits are uh, evidence of fraud are a handful of the most loyal of Trump loyalists. Not any, you don't hear any of the, the, the sitting senators, any governors uh, holding up these affidavits as proof of fraud. You have to consider who is saying this. But should, should, I mean, affidavits are evidence, basically. I mean, shouldn't we find, uh, if there is fraud, I mean, to support democracy, shouldn't an audit take place? That, uh, there shouldn't be a problem with that, right? I mean, Shouldn't we find if there's a leprechaun running around Michigan uh, burning ballots? I mean, that's what it sounds like, because someone swore that they saw a leprechaun. That's what this amounts to. Um, if there were actual fraud, as I said before, not speculations, not... Um, placating a bruised ego, if there were actual fraud, it would be blasted on every network around, not just this country, but around the world. Because again, we are the standard bearer for free and fair elections. The fact that th there's only this speculation, only these uh, affidavits that exist in uh, the briefcases of the Giuliani team, th th that is the 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 the, the point that I want to make, yeah. there is no fraud. There, there, is, there was an election that was deemed to be the most secure election in our history. And, and a uh, president-elect has been declared, a president-elect that has been um, accepted worldwide by leaders around the, um, the world and in this country as a president-elect. Right. And it's time for our president and the Republican Party to get on board. All right. Well, to be continued on that, I'm sure we'd love to have you back on that. But I do want to bring in uh, back to the Biden administration, mm -hmm. which, you know, a lot of folks would say, hold on on the I, I don't I have to cover it like this. You know, some people say Biden administration and some people say not so fast. But let, let's assume there'll be a Biden administration. Black Lives Matter. Uh, they went ahead and had this uh, memo that they sent and, and we have it up there. Uh, and in that memo, this is what they said. Uh, in short, they said uh, black people won this election alongside black led organizations around the nation. Black Lives Matter invested heavily in this election. Vote and organize became our motto and our electoral justice efforts reached more than 60 million voters. And here's what they say, Stephanie. We want something for our vote. So what is your sense of what that something is exactly? So I can't speak to what the Black Lives Matter um, movement wants, but I will say that, you know, what do they say? It's, it's success, uh, victory has many, uh, many authors, many, many mothers. So there, there are many people who were a part of this winning coalition for the Biden administration. And what I know is that uh, Vice, I mean, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris believe in a big tent. And we want to move the country forward in an inclusive and equitable way. We're not the the administration will not hide from our country's history of racism and will not um, will not shy away from doing the hard work to get a, get our country to move forward. And I think um, the the Black Lives Matter movement and there's so many other uh, organizations, grassroots organizations around the country will have a seat at the table and a voice uh, in this new uh, administration moving forward. So you expect uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to meet with them, I would think at some point here in the near future, right? 
you know, I don't want to put a timeline on it. I mean, you have to understand you're talking about near future and they can't even get their official transition started. So uh, I think the 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 timeline is impacted by our current president's refusal to acknowledge reality. I think it hurts. Uh, obviously, a lot of people think it hurts Biden uh, that uh, the transition process hasn't moved along smoothly. But a lot of pe people are also saying, you know, it, it'll be all fine, ultimately. Your thought? 30 seconds? I think that that's a, it's a lie. Uh, the 9-11 Commission said very clearly that the, the, uh, the, the late transition cost us in uh, our ability to defend our country. We need to remember that. We have enemies in this world, and we cannot allow our, our security, the security of our country, uh, to be damaged and to be weakened by a, um, a sore loser. Stephanie Rollins-Blake, love to have you back on the show. Thanks so much for the insight. Love it. All right. Uh, oh, get, getting all viewpoints here at the water cooler. That's what we do. You know why? Because here's what we do at justthenews.com. We talk to the left. We talk to the right. We talk to the middle. We talk to my mother. You know, well, <laughs> my mother. <laughs> Actually, we don't. We're still trying to get an interview with her. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Well, look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if you are a Bible-believing conservative Christian in this country, your values are under attack. The fallout from COVID-19 has definitely shown that when it comes to religious liberty, especially the government in many liberal places has shown that those rights are non-essential. And there's a big national event this weekend to address all of that. More on that is one of the organizers right now joining me, someone I've known for a while, Kirk Cameron. Kirk, great to see you. Hey, David, great to see you too. Thanks so much for uh, having me on and, and letting me tell everybody about non-essential. You bet. Well, let's start about it. Non-essential, obviously, I think the title says it all, but give us some details about what's happening this weekend. So non-essential is a play on words. We live in California where the governor has uh, deemed it non-essential for us to go into church and worship God. In fact, I have friends in Idaho who went outside their church in order to sing Amazing Grace in four-part harmony, holding their hymnals, and their hands were put into handcuffs. Our essential freedoms and our Christian way of life is definitely under attack. We see the loss of the freedom of speech. We see the loss of the freedom of religion and ability to worship all around the world. But our country is special that way. We're founded on these essential freedoms given to us by God. And the concern is, is that this is going to get worse and worse as we relinquish our rights and our freedoms uh, and God begins to be replaced by a giant government power. Uh, it does, it, it, bad, bad things start to happen in the nation. So a bunch of us are getting together. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza, Charlie Kirk, Sissy Graham Lynch, uh, Danny Goki, Pastor Jack Hibbs, and Rob McCoy, frontline American doctor Dan Erickson, uh, David Harris Jr., and others. We're going to be talking about the reality of what is going on in America, try to dispel some of the fears that are paralyzing many of us from uh, living out our Christian lives, and then talk about what the real threats are, what the real concern is, because we're staring into the abyss 
And on November 3rd, we're going to go one of two directions in this nation. And we want people to be fully informed. So we want them to, to, uh, to tune in and watch non-essential. Well, Kirk, what's interesting and what's ironic here is that I'd like you to explain a little bit about where you're going to be, <laughs> where you're going to be holding this event. Because in California, uh, trying to hold a church service indoors has been extremely controversial and now deemed, I guess, illegal at, at, in portions in certain counties in California and maybe around the state, depending on where you are. So explain the, the venue for this, because that, that's interesting in and of itself. So the venue of this is a big church here in, in Southern California. It's uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs Church, and there's going to be 2,500 people who are who are enthusiastically, gratefully um, uh, excited to come together to to speak to one another in hymns and songs and spiritual songs and sing and make music in our hearts to the Lord inside the church in California. And this will be broadcast out on Facebook Live to the rest of the nation and the world uh, as we bring solutions to the table and talk about uh, how we live as Christians in a constitutional republic like the United States of America. Yeah, it's really fascinating to know that there are certain churches, obviously out in California, Rob McCoy is one of them at a Calvary Chapel uh, near you out there who basically, you know, define court. I say define. He says he's not defined court orders because he's really not. He's a, he's a bane. Well, you know, what, what's in the Bible uh, to worship freely, obviously, and in the Constitution. But uh, I, I want to ask you a little bit about you mentioned right. God and government. And I think you've kind of hit on all of this, where are we going as a society specifically? Because it does seem like for many people, government has become their God rather than God being God. Well, as a, as a father of six kids, I, I, I pay attention to what my kids are learning in history classes. And one of the things you find out is that government always tries to play God throughout history. And you, you if you move towards socialism, although that's been a, a trendy a little bit today, um, History says that socialism is a very, very bad thing. It always inevitably leads to a totalitarian government system where all of your freedoms are taken away, your freedom to worship, your freedom uh, to defend yourself, to work and provide for your family, uh, freedom of speech. These are all the things that we treasure in our country. And uh, we need good people who love God and who love their neighbor, who value the life of the unborn, who value our religious liberties to go Uh, be in leadership positions like Amy uh, Barrett in the Supreme Court, Uh, quality people, smart thinking people who have a faith in God, who fear the Lord and love their neighbor. Uh, This is the right blending of faith and government is a faith informed conscience, uh, a faith faith informed lifestyle in your neighborhood positions of leadership so that we can uh, expect blessing and protection from God for our children and our grandchildren. You go the other way and it, and it leads toward destruction. Well, you mentioned the other way and then earlier you said staring into the abyss. What does that abyss look like, Kirk? Where, where is this potentially heading? What are some of your concerns? I mean, already we're seeing churches, you know, under penalty of law for worshiping. Where could this go? What, what's some of the, the real tangible concerns uh, looking into the crystal ball, if you, if you will? Well, uh, you, you don't need to be a, a genie with a crystal ball to, to look at where things like this go. You just look around the world and then you, we can look into the rearview mirror of history. And we see places like mm-hmm. Venezuela and, and Cuba and we see other places uh, 
that are now in such terrible decline because of the form of government. And, and frankly, I think we get the form of government that, um, that reflects our, our view of God. And so if God is non-essential, then, then we look to government to be our protector and our provider. And, and history demonstrates that when uh, an all-powerful authority like a government uh, is able to make all of the decisions for your healthcare and your education and your economy and your worship, uh, th that goes south, that goes downhill really, really quickly. So we know where this would go. And that's why our founders said that our republic, our constitution was made for a holy, religious and moral people. Without that, we're cooked because it's all about governing ourselves, not being governed by a king. It's uh, we're citizens, not subjects of a king. We're citizens, which means co-kings. We're here to right. self-govern under the, the, the rule of God. If we do that, we can remain free. If we don't, we'll be in bondage. For Cameron, we've got about 10 seconds or so left. Just give me the final details as to when people can see this, where people can see this. Just go to nonessential.live, nonessential.live, and uh, RSVP, and I'll send you an email link so that you won't miss a thing. It's Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, nonessential.live. Phenomenal. Kirk Cameron, great to see you as always. Love to have you back. Coming up, we've got so much show, I can't even explain. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, time for the last uh, sip. Hey, you know, it's a nice, cool, uh, crisp day uh, out there. A full, nice fall day, you can see. But, but guess what? The dark winter is coming. You see it behind me. Why am I talking like this exactly? I think this is my Alfred Hitchcock, which doesn't sound at all like Alfred Hitchcock. It's a dark winter, as Joe Biden says. It is coming. The coronavirus, the lockdowns, no Thanksgiving, no gobble gobble, none of that. But the media says the sun will come out tomorrow as Joe Biden becomes president of the United States and all is well in the world because our buddy Joe Biden, it, I don't know why I had a Southern accent there. Our buddy Joe Biden is president of the United States and it is a very, very beautiful day. And you know what? Look at the ratings for Morning Joe. Here's an example. Morning Joe now beating Fox News, actually Fox and Friends in total viewers, the first time since 2001. How about that? That's because the media is talking about Joe Biden as president-elect. The liberals are excited. It's a new day is dawning for all the liberals. They're all excited. But what about Joe Biden and the dark winter that could be ahead? Because if you remember, and here we go, we're going to continue the dark winter theme behind me because it's very important you understand 
that Joe Biden is very concerned about the storm that is brewing. Donald Trump is part of the dark winter. There is no doubt about it. He believes, without a shadow of a doubt, that Donald Trump is responsible for global warming, for the issues in this country, for the weird screen you see behind me. But if Joe Biden becomes president, then everything is just, and I'm going to say the words, and you don't hear these words often on afternoon television, hunky-dory. That's right, hunky-dory, because Joe Biden will be president of the United States, Morning Joe will be back in business, Fox News will be extinct. Who knows exactly what's going to happen? All I can tell you is that I don't know about the dark winter, because guess what? Donald Trump still has a few things to say about that dark winter. Could it be a dark winter specifically for Joe Biden if January becomes a problem from a constitutional perspective? Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Hey, at the beginning of the show, Brooke McGowan was on from the MAGA Institute. She was out there in Arizona uh, peacefully protesting. She did tell us that they were going to peacefully protest until they could no longer peacefully protest. In other words, peaceful protest no more. And uh, rather than following up at the time, she started to get emotional. Uh, I, I did want to make clear here at the end of the broadcast that we obviously don't condone any sort of a non-peaceful protest. Obviously, peaceful protest is the way to go on both sides of the aisle. So I just want to be very clear about this. The water cooler doesn't endorse violence. Of course we don't. Uh, hey, listen, uh, before we leave you, uh, this election has been kind of crazy. Uh, and this is what I'm literally going to look like um, probably for the next uh, week or two, kind of like bars and tone. Uh, that's me. Um, I'm pretty much just going to check out for about a week uh, and then come back uh, here to the water cooler. Boom. And then I pop up. Um, but that's what that's going to be me actually over the weekend. I'm literally just going to be bars and tone and then I'll come back and we'll be all fresh for next week. Uh, and next week we're going to have tons of stories. But listen, I don't want to leave you with another news story at the end of the end of the week because we've had we're too much with the 270 and the Arizona and the Georgia and the lawsuit and the whole. So. Let's talk about Chubby Cats, shall we? There it is. Uh, chubby Cats, uh, I, don't, I have no idea the name of this Chubby Cat, uh, but I got to tell you, uh, there's this uh, couple who is now engaged, and they got engaged over a Chubby Cat. I kid you not, there was a guy in London. He's now engaged to a woman who traveled 4,000 miles to meet him because they met in a Facebook group. And it was actually called, I'm reading this, ready? This is the name of the Facebook group. It was called... <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to start to laugh. This cat is chonky group. Not ch- this cat is chonky. C-H-O-N-K-Y group. <laughs> I don't belong to that group, by the way. Look, this is what we're going to do on a Friday, okay? Because this has been a really taxing week for all of us here at the water cooler. Anyhow, uh, that's how they met over. The, he had a chunky cat and uh, she had a chunky cat. And then they started to talk <laughs> to each other. Uh, over the chunky cats, and you know what's kind of funny? Uh, they, it's a long story. She's from Chicago. She decides to go over to London to meet him after that Facebook group. 
Anyhow, bottom line is they finally got engaged. I kid you not. And they met in that chunky cat Facebook group. So good for them. I'm really happy for both of them. And uh, I've got nothing to say. So we started with Electoral College and we end with chunky cats. Uh, that's called running the gamut. And that's my face for the rest of the weekend. Until then, we'll see you Monday. Ha, ha, ha.